It is the first ever episode of Prospects to Pros here on The Athletic. This is our NFL Draft Podcast, where we're taking you into the NFL Draft 365 days a year with our resident draft experts, Dane Brugler and Chris Burke. The ideal scenario with this show would be for us to dive deep every week into the NFL, into the current rookies, into the upcoming rookies, and into the college football season with upcoming players to watch, matchups to watch, games to watch, and more. So, having said that, we have two of the best, if not the best, draft experts in the game working for The Athletic, and I, Kent Garrison, as producer, am so excited to get this show on the road. I've worked with Dane in the past uh, doing draft podcasts. We've been to the Combine together. We've been in an RV at the Senior Bowl together. And um, I am extremely excited to bring uh, what we have done in the past over to The Athletic. And uh, to have Chris Burke on the team is going to be um, incredible as well because of his perspective and his experience and what he brings. So um, I'm going to sit back as producer and just listen to you guys talk draft and do what you do best. But uh, having said that, here is the uh, incredible, amazing Chris Burke. <laughs> I appreciate the intro there. I'm going to have to take an RV trip with you guys somewhere. I didn't get the invite last time. Uh, that was yeah, good times. <laughs> Dane will tell you. You learn a lot uh, about each other. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, this is the uh, Athletics Prospects to Pros podcast. I guess we're officially uh, starting the clock on draft season. Um, we mentioned I, I'm Chris Burke. You can get me on Twitter at ChrisBurkeNFL. Uh, and if you followed the draft at all over the past few seasons, you probably recognize my uh, partner in crime here, who, uh, for my money, is the best, hardest-working draft expert out there. And I think I'm only uh, somewhat contractually obligated to say that. Uh, Dane Brugler, you can get him at uh, DP Brugler on Twitter. So, Dane, uh, excited to get going here. Yeah, for sure. Appreciate the the kind words. And, uh, you know, you, you covering, what, mostly Detroit, but you also have – a lot of national experience as well, a lot of NFL draft experience from what your previous stop at Sports Illustrated. And so this is going to be a lot of fun. I'm eager to kind of break down these players uh, now before the season even starts, uh, both college and and the uh, NFL guys. And I mean, I think really probably no better place to start than I just released my my top 50 draft board Uh, very early. It's still August, but, you know, you got to start somewhere. And I think this is a good spot. Yeah, for sure. Uh, looking at it right now, I guess I, I, I like I'd be kind of curious just to get a little bit on your process there. Like, how are you? Uh, how are you picking out fifty guys at this point in the season when you know people haven't played? I mean, I guess there's been two two games now, a handful of games. Um, how do you, how do you get to that point with those fifty? Well, you know, I spend my summer uh, really focusing on a lot of mostly the seniors, uh, focusing on uh, the top players from last year that did not go pro. Uh, you know, the Justin Herberts of the world, quarterback from Oregon, who decided to come back for a senior year. He would have been a top 10 pick. Uh, you know, we'll never know. It's a moot point. But uh, just talking to different teams and people, um, you know, the last six months, if he would have gone pro, Justin Herbert would have been a top 10 pick. So now he's coming back. And that'll be one of the big storylines that we talk about, uh, both from a college football perspective and also an NFL perspective. Uh, just how that, you know, we're going to nitpick him to death. Is he going to show progression? Is he going to get better? And so uh, start with the seniors. And then, of course, uh, you know, most top 50s, uh, first few rounds dominated by underclassmen. And so looking at the new crop of draft-eligible underclassmen, guys that are three years removed from high school and 
spending the summer watching tape on all these guys and just kind of crossing names off my list and trying to stack them. And like I said, it's a starting point. It's a good place to start. Uh, I, and for my money, um, you know, I, I, there was, I, I think we'll go probably as we go through this, maybe in descending order um, until we get down to one. But to me, there was a clear cut number one player, but we'll, we'll get to him eventually. Yeah, it, it is kind of cool to kind of go back and, you said as a starting point see some of these names that you looked for last year and sort of expected like uh Raekwon Davis is another one I think on your list mm-hmm. that you know guys that you're familiar with headed into the year and sort of maybe even makes it a little easier to track the pro- progression of these upperclassmen just because we've seen them now for you know two three years and have a good idea what they can and can't do and you, you kind of wait to see if some of those negatives become positives or vice versa as they you know head into their final or you know penultimate season there in college but uh, as you mentioned we can get right into the top 50 it's a a lot of information to get through there and we want to make sure we cover uh, get up to that top guy that you kind of teased at there because I think he's probably due for a massive monster season this year but uh, the first guy honestly if we're starting at 50 like you have Troy Dye there from Oregon and he's pretty interesting to me uh, just because of you mentioned it you know the the speed the athleticism but the 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 length the size he's 6'3 218 like he's kind of in that he seems like one of those new breed defenders that we talk about every year now right and you know my my heights and weights that I use I get directly from uh an NFL team that that's what they have on file either that is the height and weights that their scouts got from the spring or uh you know they got from another time so these are as close to accurate when we talk about just the heights and the weights as we're going to get at this point in time not what the school lists on the roster but what this NFL team has given me and so with Troy Dye he is a leaner athlete and so it wasn't too surprising to see him at 218 but that is a little lighter than you want to see especially for a guy with his height uh, at 6'3 but he runs like a gazelle Uh, the speed is something that uh, really pops off the tape both in coverage and pursuit uh, the range that he has uh, needs to get a little bit better with his hands in terms of fighting off blocks. But what I really like, and, and in today's NFL, you want linebackers that can stay on the field all three downs. And Troy Dye, what he offers in coverage, uh, you know, holding up against a tight end, back out of the backfield, uh, even helping out in, in some zone drops uh, against a slot receiver, he can do those things for you, I think, pretty quickly. And so there's still a lot of room where he needs to improve. Uh, we talked about Justin Herbert coming back for his senior year and you know ways he can improve. Well, his teammate, uh, Troy Dye, uh, up there in Eugene, same type of thing. I think he made the right decision coming back. He debuts at number 50, and you know you, you kind of mentioned it. It's interesting to see the progression for these guys. It's almost like the stock market, not to sound you know too insensitive, but what, you know these guys following them throughout their career and just you know especially from right now until April, following them uh, and see the you know the dips and the the rises and everything as they go throughout the season uh it's really going to be interesting but for me Troy Dye starts starts at least this season as a mid-second rounder number 50 on my board yeah not to spend too much time on number 50 because we obviously have 49 (laughs) other guys to go through here but I think we're also seeing in the NFL you know you're seeing more of the you mentioned wanting guys to be on the field all three downs, and obviously that's the goal. But I think we're also seeing some more of those specialized linebackers and those, you know, linebacker safety hybrids almost, guys that can come right. in sub packages and, and just cover or maybe just get after the quarterback as a blitzer. And um, so 
to have that starting point, and then you say, well, maybe he needs to get bigger, you know, maybe he needs to be better against the run, but to have that starting point where he has the range and and uh, the coverage ability, that's something pretty much every team looks for in a linebacker right now. So We, we talk about underclassmen a lot. He's one of the few seniors that made this. I think only 10 seniors uh, out of the 50. So obviously uh, a high, uh, high number of underclassmen like we see every year. But uh, Troy Dye starts the year as one of the top 10 senior prospects in this class. You want to roll through the next couple names here, or you want me to take them? Well, you know, we have uh, start some of these. Uh, you talked, you mentioned Raquan Davis earlier um, as a guy who, as a sophomore, really showed out. And this is a big guy. It's hard to miss him. 6'6", 315 pounds. Uh, he led Alabama in sacks uh, two years ago, was a big part of that national title season uh, when they beat Georgia. But then coming into last year, hype was high, a lot of expectations, and it was Quinnen Williams, his teammate, who really showed out and uh, parlayed a, a breakout uh, 2018 season into a top-five draft pick. Uh, but Quinnen Williams no longer there, so now, okay, Raekwon Davis, it's time for you to step up, show that uh, you're more than just the size, and you know you can translate some of those measurables into more football production. Um, you know, he comes in at 48 for me, another one of those uh, guys who's uh, has a lot of potential. But, you know, could he really do enough to put him in that first round discussion? We know NFL teams, they love measurables and he has it with his length and that size. But can he show more football production, more of an impact? Uh, we'll see on that. Uh, another guy here in the 40s I want to talk about is Ashton Davis, uh, safety out of Cal. Uh, he is uh, one of the top safeties in the nation, plain and simple. Um, he's a guy that has a fantastic backstory. Uh, Bruce Feldman actually did a great story on him on The Athletic. Uh, you can find that. He's uh, a guy that really didn't have many options out of high school, but he was fast and he could run track. And so he decided, okay, well, I'm going to carve out my way to football by running track. And he did that at Cal. Uh, the track team was okay with him trying out for football. And he not only was one of the top hurdlers in the Pac-12, but then he walks onto the football team. And before you know it, he's starting. And now he's my top senior safety in the draft and a guy that's going to start the year as a possible first-round pick. So the story is tremendous. Obviously, as a former track guy, he has the speed that you want, a little leaner than you want. Um, you know, he comes in right around 200 pounds. Uh, but he, you wouldn't know it by the way he hits and his physicality. And so Ashton Davis, uh, out of the Pac-12, uh, one of the top safeties in the nation, he's definitely a name to know. Uh, right now he's in, what, an early second rounder for me uh, on my board, but he, he's a fun player and a guy that I think is going to start to heat up as the season goes on. Yeah, let's get, just to go back to uh, Raekwon Davis for a second, like, I think people get – I don't want to say they get sick of seeing, you know, Alabama and Clemson, Ohio State, like the same schools get represented in uh, when we're talking about the draft over and over again. But obviously those schools are getting the premier talents. And I think one of the other things you see from the NFL perspective is when you're drafting a guy out of Alabama, you know he's coming in, having been in an Alabama program that essentially runs like it's an NFL team. I mean, the facilities there are, are nicer than they are at a lot of NFL uh, buildings. And, you know, they're they're – they've proven that they can churn out these bodies that can go pro and not have to have a whole lot of time to get physically ready for the next level. And that uh, makes a difference, especially for a guy, like we said, who's an upperclassman. So you're not getting a, you know, you're not getting a 20 year old necessarily. You're getting someone who's you'd like to step in and play right away. So um, yeah, I mean, he's one for sure that 
again, that we sort of were looking at last year, and now we're talking about him again. I mean, we we jumped over. The only other guy I wanted to mention sort of down in this back end here was uh, Jonathan Taylor, the running back out of Wisconsin. I was watching the, uh, like, Wisconsin, I think it was Purdue game from last year on the Big Ten Network is running one of their, uh, you know, quote-unquote classic games and he was just going off in that game and it seems to happen all the time when Wisconsin's out there you know Jonathan Taylor's got the ball in his hands he's breaking tackles he's picking up seven eight nine yards on pretty much every touch he's been a special college talent I mean the only I guess one of the only concerns you'd have just sort of off the top is just the amount of work he's getting that's sort of the thing we always talk about with these running backs you know just the the workload that he's putting in at Wisconsin, and you mentioned in the in this top fifty, he's um, kind of creeping up here on Donnell Pumphrey's all-time FBS rushing record. He needs a huge year; he needs you know twenty-two hundred plus yards. But I don't know that you can totally rule that out either. I mean, you think he's going right. to get the ball a ton again and probably put up those big numbers? But I, I don't know. Like from your perspective, do you worry at all? That's that's I'm sure that's one of the things we'll talk about later in the year with him. Like, do you worry just the number of carries he's going to have? Yeah, I think you have to, you know, it's something that uh, wear and tear, especially for running back position is something that's it's part of the equation. And, um, you know, it's it is interesting. Um, You know, we've talked I remember talking a lot about this with another Wisconsin back when he was coming out with Monty Ball uh, because the amount of carries that he had. And obviously Wisconsin has pumped out a lot of these running backs. And really, I mean, Melvin Gordon has, I think, probably lived up to uh, maybe his draft spot, but a lot of these guys haven't. And so it kind of brings you back to, okay, well, Wisconsin also puts in a lot of offensive linemen to the next level. Is it the offensive linemen or is it the back, uh, you know, part of the system? And I think with uh, this current situation for the Badgers, it's a little bit of both. I mean, that's not to take anything away from Taylor or the offensive line, but there are future pros on that offensive line, but I also think Taylor is, uh, you know, a worthy pro himself. Uh, for a guy that's five ten, almost two hundred twenty pounds, he's a pretty good athlete. Um, I think doesn't get enough attention for the type of athlete that he is. Um, and so it's, you know, a lot of times he's running through holes that you know no one's touching him. Um, and again, that's you know part of that's a product of the offensive line and the system. But he's a pretty talented guy himself, and it's you look at next year's running back class. It's it's pretty stacked when you include these underclassmen. Um, you know, I think on this list there are four, uh, but I easily could have included two, three more guys on this list. Uh, and you know, he's John the Taylor's right there in that mix as being a, a top five back in this class. And then just above Ashton Davis at 36, we've got a quarterback. There, there's three quarterbacks up on the top 10. There's only one from then on, from 11 to 15, it's Jake Fromm at Georgia. So uh, I mean, what can you tell the people about him? What, what do you like about him that puts him in that top 40 range? Because as you mentioned, he's he's probably not going to check off every box for every NFL team. So there's going to have to be right. some of those attributes where he really excels. He's just not going to be for everybody, you know. He's sure. he's a guy who he doesn't have the elite physical traits. He's probably six one and a half, um, you know. He has decent build. I mean, he's two over two hundred twenty pounds. He's probably maybe just a little bit taller than Baker Mayfield in terms of just uh, comparing sizes uh, for quarterbacks. But and what I really like about Fromm is the accuracy. I mean, we can talk all day about the physical skill set. Uh, you know, if he was 6'4", 240, uh, and, you know, had a rocket arm. But 
when it comes to the quarterback position, can he complete the pass? I mean, that's that's what's most important at, at any level. It doesn't matter. And he can do that. Fromm has outstanding timing, outstanding ball placement. Um, and he's he, had, he does a really nice job in that Georgia offense. Uh, I think coaches are going to absolutely love the intangibles. They're going to love uh, his mental makeup, uh, just what he brings to uh, the field from a leadership perspective. I think it's going to you know check a lot of boxes in that area. And that's why I would not be surprised, even though Fromm is – not in the top 32 on this list. It wouldn't shock me at all if, because uh, all it takes is one team. Uh, it's Jake Fromm goes somewhere in the top 20 picks just because, like I said, all it takes is one team to fall in love and believe he can be the guy. And, you, you know, I mean, how many teams would have taken Baker Mayfield number one overall? I, you know, we'll never know, but it probably only a handful. Um, and so, you know, all it takes is that, that one team to fall in love, and it doesn't take too much to, uh, to fall in love with Fromm. But again, I think for a West Coast system, he's he's an ideal fit. He doesn't have that big time arm. He again, he doesn't have that ideal. Uh, he's an okay athlete, but not a great uh, in terms of mobility. Uh, and so he's just he's not going to be for everybody. And I, I think that's why uh, ultimately why he's uh, placed right here where I have him outside the top thirty two picks. I've got a couple favorites moving up a little closer to the top twenty here. I mean, Henry Ruggs is. Uh, like you mentioned, he might be the fastest player in, in the FBS, and it's just eye-popping speed. So uh, just from a – not even from analyzing the game as a, as a draft guy or anything like that, like just to watch him play uh, is a ton of fun. And, you you know, sometimes you can get caught up in that, I think, with, with guys that have those elite traits, you know, just, and they're so much fun in college. You don't want to put too much stock on one specific thing. But uh, certainly that speed has played for him at Alabama and you would assume would translate over to the next level. Uh, Bryce Halls at 27. I really like him. Uh, and then 26 is Jared Pinkney. I, I'm kind of a sucker for a good tight end, you know, good, good tight end prospect anyway, but uh, he definitely looks like a guy. Um, I mean, you've got him at 26, which would put him in that round one uh, category. And when you have guys in that category from that position they have to be able to go make catches and obviously he's done that he's someone that can really create those mismatches and and get up the seam and and cause problems so um that those are just three names that kind of popped out for me do you have any other favorites here uh as we creep closer to the 20s yeah and i think i like what you said about about pinkney and i don't think we're necessarily going to have a tj hawkinson in this class you know a guy that's going to really contend for top 10 consideration but for me pinkney and he might not be elite in like any one area that that he uh, in his skill set, but he does everything fairly well uh, as a blocker, as a pass catcher. Uh, the coaches speak really highly of uh, his competitive makeup and the way he carries himself. He's the adult in the room, um, and he, he carries himself like that. So I, I think that's really going to help him uh, as he you know tries to be the top tight end drafted uh, next April. Uh, one another running back in this group, Eno Benjamin. He's just a lot of fun out of Arizona State. 5'9", 205 pounds, not the biggest, but, man, his contact balance, it's just fun to watch him play. Uh, bouncing off guys, he looks like a pinball. Uh, his lateral quickness, he makes guys miss. Uh, he enters the year as my number two back, and uh, I, I know that's that's saying a lot, having him over a guy like Travis Etienne from Clemson, who is right after him. I like him a lot, too, but something about Eno Benjamin I just think really plays well at the next level. Um, and then, as we're talking about running backs, DeAndre Swift, he's my top back this year. He comes in, uh, I believe it what, number 20, uh, who, talking about making guys miss, he has that uncanny ability 
to just uh, both mentally and physically he's able to to see it he's able to set up his moves but then he also has the shiftiness the elusive feet uh that lateral jump start uh he's really good at making defenders look silly especially in the open field and he can create on his own and so that's why for me deandre swift enters the year as the top back and a guy who i think should be considered uh in the heisman conversation and you know if you're going to draft a back in the first round he better be able to do a few things and i think he's shown he can do that both as a rusher and as a receiver yeah and that pops us into the top 20 here so i guess we can go uh, maybe just go guy by guy here i don't we don't have to stop on all of them necessarily but make sure we uh hit on a couple of the the bigger ones and um so yeah you have swift at 20 um and then Javin Kinlaw from uh, South Carolina is at, at 19. Uh, Trayvon Diggs from Alabama. I mean, and again, we're sort of seeing, you know, those uh, blue blood programs here. There's a run of, uh, I didn't do the exact math, but there's a run of SEC uh, players here coming up. I mean, a, just early impressions, it's going to be a lot of those same programs again, right? The next year that we're, we kind of always talk about producing the elite players. Yeah, there always are. I mean, I, I think there's 11 SEC players in my top 20, um, 19 overall in the top 50. So SEC is, like every year, well represented. Um, and it's it's not because of the conference. It's not because of the decal on their helmet. It's because their tape is just really impressive. And, um, you know, you mentioned a few of those guys. Javon Kinlaw, who uh, has a great backstory with where he came from. He is a freakish mover at 6'5", 308". If he's able to kind of contain that a little bit uh, into more football production, uh, he's only going to continue to rise up, but he has all the makings of a top 20 pick. Trevon Diggs, people might recognize that last name. Uh, younger brother of Stephon Diggs, the wide receiver uh, for the Minnesota Vikings. Uh, Trevon's a former wide receiver himself, but he went over, started to lean over to the defensive side, and it was a corner. He would have been a first-round pick if he came out last year. But he got hurt, uh, injured his foot, so he's back. 6'2", 200 pounds, and he runs in the low 4'4s. So Trevon Diggs is going to be a guy that goes high. Uh, Derek Brown, the top defensive tackle in the, dra- in the draft out of Auburn. Another guy would have been a first-round pick if he came out. Comes back for his senior year. Uh, and then a guy, two tackles uh, I want to talk about. Andrew Thomas from Georgia and Alex Leather- uh, Leatherwood from Alabama. Andrew Thomas last year. Moved from right tackle to left tackle, takes over for Isaiah Wynn, and was just outstanding. He, talk about a dancing bear. That's what it looks like. And Alex Leatherwood, he was a right guard last year. He moves to left tackle. Uh, but another guy, just the physical makeup is so impressive. 6'5", 320 pounds, the length, the knee bend, uh, the foot quickness. Both these guys are future left tackles at the next level. Yeah, Diggs, uh, yeah, like you said, obviously his brother – is having putting together a great NFL career. I think that probably one of those looking back, he was what a fifth round pick. And uh, yeah, I don't out of Maryland. Just yeah. in terms of the testing, I mean, he tested fairly well, if I'm remembering right. Like it's not like he was a slouch athlete coming out of that college. So um, I don't know how much the, the pedigree necessarily bumps a guy up, but uh, certainly seeing the athleticism and the, the way Stefan Diggs is uh, translated to the next level, I can't imagine what hurt his younger brother is and mm-hmm. kind of the same thing you know uh maybe not on the same level but we pet you know julian okora was uh forgot him back at 24 because we've got romeo okora here in detroit um where i cover the lions and uh certainly julian looks like the better of those two prospects but even romeo had seven and a half sacks last year so some family pedigrees working their way uh into these uh 
into these draft prospects. Um, so I think we left off at uh, 15. We were about 15 there, and and then Christian Fulton uh, from LSU. I, there's a couple Iowa tackles. Um, I don't know that that's – it was the Iowa tight ends last year with Hawkinson and Fant, and now, I mean, potentially at least one first-round tackle, it looks like, and uh, maybe two. Uh, could you see both guys getting in the top 32 picks? It's certainly in the realm of possibility. Um, Alaric Jackson, uh, the left tackle, uh, 6'7", 295, uh, pretty good athlete. He's got some things he needs to clean up before we talk about him as being a first-round guy. But I think there are some traits that you point to and say, okay, yeah, I could see that. If he develops in these other areas, you know, we could see Alaric Jackson uh, moving up. But the better of the tackles is Tristan Wirfs, the, the right tackle. And the reason he's at the right tackle spot is because Jackson – uh, really struggled when he moved to right tackle and they tried to move Worfs to left tackle. So they're just keeping him at those spots. But everything about Worfs' uh, uh, skill set and his abilities, his traits, it tells you that he could play left tackle no problem. 6'5", 320 pounds. Uh, the balance that he plays with, uh, the power, uh, the leverage. He understands how to uh, knock down jabs from rushers. He, he understands uh, what they're trying to do. And so for a guy that doesn't have a ton of experience on the left side, I, I think he could make that uh, that transition left tackle pretty seamlessly. He's right there uh, for me as a possible top 10 pick. Um, and really, and kind of want to get into some of these receivers. Uh, the most well-represented position uh, in, in the top 50 was tackle and wide receiver, both at eight. And we talked a bunch about some of these tackles. These wide receivers from the junior class just loaded. Yeah. <laughs> and I've got three of them in the top, uh, what, 13? Uh, and I'm I'm a little against the grain here because I have Jerry Judy as my number three receiver. Most people have him at number one, some even as high as a top five pick. And he, he might very well go that high. I, I, I don't dislike Jerry Judy. And, uh, you know, I, I like him a lot. He's just he's a little leaner than I want. But there's so much about him that, you know, I love. Obviously, he's 13 overall on my board. So he's so dynamic. He, his ability to create before and after the catch. There's really there's a lot of Calvin Ridley to his game. And so uh, I think Jerry Judy just he has a, a much better quarterback than Calvin Ridley did. Uh, during his time in Alabama, so that's why we're seeing a lot more production for Judy. Uh, but he's right there uh, as a uh, uh, somewhere in the top half of round one, um, a dynamic guy. And then right ahead of him, I have C.D. Lamb from Oklahoma. Some of the best ball skills in all of football. I don't care NFL, college, whatever level you're talking about. His ability to isolate the football, go up and get it, is outstanding. The, the strong hands that he has. He needs to clean up a few things with his routes and uh, just doing more uh, to get open and separate. But uh, he's done enough where I feel comfortable putting him as my number two receiver. And then my number one receiver, he, he's up there in the top ten, LaVisca Chenault from Colorado. 6'2", 225 pounds. He was doing everything for Colorado last year. Uh, the Wildcat, jet sweeps, uh, downfield. Uh, whatever you needed him to do, he could do it. He's just he's just a playmaker, and as long as he's healthy, to me, he's the top receiver prospect as we enter the season. Yeah, and just quickly, I mean, you mentioned Judy and and uh, the Calvin Ridley kind of maybe not a direct comp, but that just the the route running, I guess, is what stands out there. Just how polished his game looks compared to mm-hmm. a lot of guys that you'll see at this point. You know, with still a year left in in his college career, at least, um, just that ability to kind of set up cornerbacks and and be so subtle in movements like you, you don't get a ton of guys that can do that it's you really always talking about you know sort of the traits guys a lot of the times and um so we do see 
those more polished guys kind of start to elevate as we get closer to the draft. Um, and you've got we touched you touched on Justin Herbert, and I said we had there were three quarterbacks um, up here around the top ten, and you've got uh, Jordan Love uh, from Utah State at ten, and then you have Justin Herbert, um, and you've got Tua down at Alabama. So uh, give us a little quick breakdown on why those three are in your top ten. Well, Jordan Love, uh, you know, he's I think he's getting gaining more steam the closer we get, more people hear about him and watch him. Um, as one scout put it to me, he's very Mahomes-like with uh, just the loose movements, the easy release. Uh, and it's not just the physical skill set, but he does show some anticipation. He does show a feel for timing. Um, he needs to do a little bit better just with his reads and uh, you know understanding what defenses are trying to do. Can't wait to see him this year. Um, he's got a tough task going to Baton Rouge to face LSU uh, in the first week in October. That's going to be a fun one to watch. But this is a guy who, uh, with a new coaching staff this year, if he shows progression, would not shock me at all if he's in contention to be that first quarterback drafted. There are a lot of teams and scouts that really like him. So he comes in at number 10. Uh, like you said, yeah, we mentioned Justin Herbert. Uh, we're going to nitpick him this year. It's going to be really interesting to see his progression. Um, and kind of a little preview of this weekend's games, uh, we have a – neutral site game against Auburn. And so a lot of the Justin Herbert narratives are going to be out there with how he plays. Is he able to lead Oregon to a big win over an SEC team? Um, and it, that's the, we're going to be talking a lot about that. And if he struggles and Oregon loses and he does not look good, it might be tough for him to uh, you know come back from that type of uh, outing it's just because a lot of scouts are going to place a lot of emphasis on on that game because of the opponent. And he plays behind one of the better offensive lines in college football, a couple of prospects on that Oregon line. But Auburn has one of the better defensive lines in all of college football, led by Derek Brown, who we mentioned here in the top 20 picks. So that's going to be a really fun game to watch this weekend as we kick off college football. Yeah, I mentioned that Utah State has that big game at LSU a little bit later in the season. That one, I think one of the first places people may have taken notice of of love was last year when they went to Michigan State mm -hmm. in the opener and nearly won that game. Played really well. Um, Lost by a touchdown. So I, yeah. Yeah, I don't know that the uh, uh, like it doesn't seem like he's the type of guy that's going to get rattled by the stage necessarily. Um, wanted to make sure we get to the top of the board here, and you said you had a clear number one uh, right now. Any of these other guys in the top five challenger number one who was uh, Chase Young the the edge from Ohio State who's uh, kind of made the rounds viral lately with uh, the, the photos of just how cut up he is. But uh, it, was anyone close to him, or was it pretty, was there a line right after him from one to two? Uh, to me, I had a pretty clear line, uh, just based on talent. Um, I, Grant Delpit comes in at number five. I like Delpit a lot. Um, but there's you know some areas of his game where um, you know I, I'd like to see some, some improvement this year. Uh, it's funny, my three and four players have one start combined. Uh, Jeffrey Okuda at number three, AJ Epinesa from uh, Iowa, the edge player at number four, um, Okuda, the corner from uh, Ohio State. One start combined between them, but they're so impactful. We're on, they're on the football field. Uh, Okuda has ridiculous traits. I'm expecting a big year for him. AJ Epinesa, for a guy that has uh, came off the bench last year, he has such an advanced understanding of how to use his hands, how to convert speed to power, how to uh, break down the rhythm of the blockers. Um, so he, he deserves that spot in the top five. Tua comes in at number two, um, doesn't have elite 
height. He's six foot, but he's 230 pounds, and his ability to anticipate uh, down the field is really impressive. He just needs to take off that superhero cape once in a while, stop taking too many chances, uh, be a little more conservative, take care of the football, uh, and he's going to be, I think, the favorite to be the first quarterback drafted. And then at number one, Chase Young from Ohio State. Uh, this guy is just built really, really impressive, uh, 6'5", 266 pounds, and his movement skills for a guy that size are ridiculous. Uh, also has the power, also has technique and nuance to his game. So Chase Young, to me, the clear-cut number one player as we go into the season. Yeah, I eventually will start pronouncing uh, Tua's last name when we do these shows. <laughs> <laughs> I, I avoided that, if you noticed, yeah. <laughs> uh, but, yeah, I mean, so um, obviously very preliminary here. We're just getting into the college football season, but uh, – gives you sort of a jumping off point for these prospects and we know that a lot of these guys are probably going to be on the radar for the entire year you know there's always some surprises and some disappointments but uh at least a big chunk of this top 50 dane put together will be the guys that we're talking about you know seven eight months from now so again it'll be fun to sort of track how everything goes with with everyone on here and just to see if you know everything we think about these players that we talked about is true once they actually get on the field here finally Absolutely. It's going to be a, it's going to be a fun ride. It's like I said, the stock market almost to see these guys, the ebbs and flows and you know, what happens so much will happen the next few months with the season. Then we get in the draft process and that's where things get a little sticky, but it'll be fun to, uh, you know, separate these guys and stack them um, as we go. And so the, the whole goal of the, of the podcast is to take everyone along with us for the ride and, you know, be transparent with the process. So it'll be a lot of fun. Yeah, for sure. And that'll uh, wrap us up. For the first episode here again we'll have uh one episode per, per week that you can get uh on thursdays on, on our apple podcast and then uh an extra episode every week uh, where we'll get a little bit more into the guys who are already in the nfl and are going through their rookie seasons that you can get with your subscription to the athletics so uh dane uh thanks for inviting me <laughs> to help co-host with this with you and i'm really looking forward to this year and and getting into the draft no, thanks for doing it, Chris. This is gonna—it's gonna be a lot of fun, and so you're gonna get going.